Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin. Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayez Shir, number 347. Today we're going to continue uh, talking about the book, 10 Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Couple, Smart Couples Make by Rebbe Tzim Schaefer. We talked last year about uh, the mistake number two that I could have done better. And we talked about Betachin, and we talked about Amuna, and we talked about the just because technically... There's another person out there that has certain milas that your spouse doesn't have, but that does not mean that would be good for you specifically. Hashem handpicked this particular husband and wife for you, and that's your ideal match. And it's important always to remember that when there are bumps in the road, that's very, very normal and natural. He talks about, we talked about before, the three pillars of successful marriage. One was commitment. And he's going to elaborate a little bit on the commitment. He brings the Rashi's Chachma, quoting the Zayar, that before you were born, you and your spouse were one unit. And then Hashem put you each in a different body, with different temperaments, different natures, different inclinations. And you're assigned in different families. And your mission is to join your other half, join together and create a union. And in a real healthy marriage, you become... On one hand, one, but at the same time, appreciating your differences. But you become whole. You're one unit. And you learn in your job in marriage is to learn to live in peace and harmony with your husband, with your wife, and overcome those obstacles that stand between you. And in the first pillar of marriage that he talks about, in order to do this, is commitment. You have to be committed to this union. That he wants you to be committed in this, this union and to be committed to this particular person, the husband and wife that's before you. And you need that commitment to work, to do the work, in order to make a beautiful marriage. It's with the understanding that your husband or wife is the right one for you, is part of you, perfectly formed by you, that Hashem knows what's best for you, and He brought the right person to you, but you were, of course, you have to do the work to make your marriage as wonderful as it's meant to be. Reb Siyam Schaefer, one of his rabbeim, was Rav Henech Libowitz, Eichet Tzadik Levracha. And um, he heard this by his the Levaya, the Petira of his wife, Rav Henech Libowitz's wife, uh, that left a big Roshim on him. So he says that the, the Rosh Hashiva was seven years older than his Rebetzin, but for much of his life he was not well. And it was sort of expected, no one talked about it, that the Rosh Hashiva of Henech Leibowitz would leave this world before his wife. But that's not what happened. His Rebetzin took ill and passed away. And at the Levaya, the Rosh Hashiva of Henech got up to speak. And this is what he said. He said, everything we did, we did together. We built a yeshiva together. We worried about the Talmidim together. Everything we did, we did together. We went to Eretz Yisrael together. When I was sick, she worried about my health more than I did. I didn't have to worry about my diet or my medicine. She did everything for me. And everything we did, we did together. And he said that again and again and again. And then he was silent, the Rosh Hashiva. And everyone was waiting. And then he said like this. He said, you know, I said a hesped for my father. And I said a hesped for my mother. But I can't say a hesped for my wife. Because if I say a hesped for my wife, 
It's like I'm saying a hespit about myself, and I can't do that. And then he sat down. It left a tremendous rishim on him. And basically, that's what a Torah marriage is. They were one unit together. Not an I, not a you, not my needs, not you need, your needs. It's I, and they were joined together. And again, we talked about in other shiurim, there is a healthy, distinct aspect of appreciating each other's individual personalities and what they need as well. But the overall concept is that you're, you're a team. You're together in it. So one pillar is commitment. The next pillar of marriage is love. Love is a glue. We can use here the word romance or romantic love, but you need to understand, like we said many times, when we use it in a healthy way, it is not the romance garbage of the Hollywood culture and what's depicted in the movies. We talk in romantic love of simply how, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed between a husband and a wife, a special connection, male and female, that is healthy, that is good, that is beautiful. It is in that concept, context that we say those words, romantic love. And of course, it's famous, the idea that the Malachim came to Avram Avinu and asked, Aye, Sarah, Shdecha, where's Sarah, your wife? And she answered, he, he, he answered, he oil. she's in the tent. And the Gemara Bamatziah says that they knew where she was, but he, she, they wanted to impress upon Avram Avinu that she was a tsenua, she was modest. And by that, by doing that, they made Sarah more beloved to her husband, Avram Avinu. And um, that is very, very interesting, that concept. And... Um, that's really an inappropriate question to ask, but they knew Avram would ask, say, she's in the tent, she's not in, not in public, and that reinforced his recognition of her as a tsenua, which was extremely valuable to Avram Avinu, and his appreciation for his wife would, would make him more beloved, that she would be more beloved to him. And again, the Mepharshan talk about this, Avram Avinu was, ni- was uh, 99, Sarah was 90, they were married over 74 years already, and they were high, high madrega. How could the Malachim be so concerned about making Sarah more beloved than Avram Avinu's eyes? And Avram, we, we were dealing with Av- the Avais. They were not self-centered people, and they were focused on others, and they had, it's brought down. The Maral says, and I would like to see it inside, but he quotes it in the book, that in the course of history, there was never such a deep bond between husband and wife, as there was between Avram and Sarah. And again, if anyone hears this and sees the Makar Betherish in, in, in the Maral, let me know. Maybe it's in Gorari. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't have it in front of me right now. But that's what the Maral says. So you're dealing with the Avais. You're dealing with Avram Avinu in particular, where the Maral says that marriage was the deepest ever. So that's why this Rashi from the Chazal is hard to understand. They made this unusual comment to make Sarah more beloved than Avram's eyes. Why was that needed? And, and then what happens is later when um, Sarah overheard that they said that she would have children and she said, my husband is old and Hashem changed it and said that I am old. And again, and this is, he brings down from his Rebbe, when seeing Schaefer, when seeing Schaefer brings from his Rebbe, when he was to ask the question on Rashi, that you're allowed to be Mashanab at Sholem, which means you could even lie, tell an untruth to prevent hurting someone's feelings. But, but 
again, but over here by Avram Avinu, it's hard to understand this. Let's say Hashem didn't change the story. Let's say Avram was told that his wife said, my husband's too old. Would Avram Avinu fall into pieces here? Would his reaction be, oy vey, my wife called me an old man? He was the, one of the, he was the, uh, one of the three Avais. He was one of the greatest men that ever lived. And he didn't live in a society, by the way, where, where you know, in our culture where the youth is revered and older people were, were discarded. In his culture, the old were respected because they were wise, more wise. They had more life experience. And that's what he actually taught. And every year was a tremendous development. So to say you're older, it was a compliment, not a negative. And he invested in his time wisely. So he lived, he would lift to the point of his life and in his madrega that he was not self-conscious about his age at all. And he lived another 76 years. So why was, did Hashem feel it necessary to change Sarah's words? Nevertheless, you see how sensitive things are. It's a mosahaskal for us. He brings down to explain this and the idea of what love really is is to explain what is the leading cause of divorce these days. And most people would say could be problems with raising children, money problems, hashkafa problems, in-law problems. Doesn't say it here, but maybe fights about physical intimacy, dis- disagreements. But none of them really is a significant cause for divorce. The major cause of divorce is fighting. Now, fighting here doesn't mean, John Gottman says, and it's true, that people, the couples disagree and even, quote-unquote, what they call fighting, and they have beautiful marriages. Fighting here means the unhealthy fighting of name-calling and anger and disparaging and so on. That is the key major cause of divorces today. Yes, it's true, you could have couples that... don't fight and things are dead because they don't communicate. That's true. But for the majority, 98, 95%, however you want to say it, is fighting. So you're going to ask yourself, well, what? Do you, of course, that, that's obvious, right? People who get divorced, they, they, they fight. But you're going to ask Taina, but the, what causes them to fight? It's the issues that cause them to fight. It was how... The chinechabonim question, or the money question, or the in-law question, or the whatever other issues there are in the marriage, that causes the fights. So, what's the shayrish? The, the issues. The shayrish is not the fighting, but that's wrong. The shayrish is the fighting. It's not the issues that cause the fights. It's how the couple deals with the issues. That's what defines the relationship. It's not the children, it's not the money, it's not the hashkafas, it's not the in-laws, it's not the physical intimacy, it's none of that. It's how the couple negotiates these differences and how they communicate and work it through. And when it comes in the form of negative fighting and and name-calling, that is where the divorces happen. And again... He says this, we talked about this when we gave the Shiorim, when we were going through the John Gottman books, one book, and we're going to go through others, that 70% of successful, long-standing marriages are irreconcilable differences. What is that? That's major life issues where he needs one thing, she needs another thing, and there's no compromise. He has a thriving business in New York, she has severe allergies and needs to live in San Diego. There's no middle ground. 
New York with her allergies and her suffering there, or it's San Diego. Chicago won't help either of them. Or if you have this crossroads, children to the Hasidish school, children to the Litvish school, you can't compromise. You can't have, he says it very funny, you can't have kids walking around with curly payas on one side and, and on the other side not. There's no solution that will satisfy the both. The issue doesn't go away. By the way, again, 70% of Hatzlochadik, a beautiful, wonderful marriages, has these irreconcilable differences. But they work through it together. They come to a decision that one may not be thrilled about and has to come to terms with, and the other one uh, you know, goes their way in that particular scenario. But they're mature adults. They're reasonable. They figure out a way to deal with what life threw at them, even if it's something that has no quote-unquote solution. So how do they maintain their togetherness and their healthy marriage, even though there is some certain types of aspects that are not reconcilable, where there's no compromise? And basically, what he went through, John Gottman, and he tested, and he was 94% right all the time about his predictions about whether a couple will divorce or not, his predictions were only wrong, for the most part, is if the couple made a conscious decision to change their behavior. Then that prediction changed. But John Cotman basically told them, you know, unless you change your behavior, you know, and 94% was right, that when the behavior didn't change, there was divorce. And the, they talked about, they, they, he put them in a lab. He asked them to talk about different issues in the marriage, a neutral issue, a mutually pleasing issue, and then one sensitive point where they often disagreed. And he monitored their emotional responses and their blood pressure and pulse and so on and videoed it. And he looked for a particular reaction, which is contempt. Contempt is what is poison. Contempt, the way he puts it, is not quite hatred, not quite anger. It's sort of like the rolling of the eyes, like what's wrong with you look that many couples exhibit. And Dr. Gottman explains that if the ratio is more than one reaction of contempt to five reactions of approval, the marriage is in danger. Why? Because contempt is a clear indicator that the, the marriage is in danger because it's the opposite of love. When you have hurt feelings and you're upset and you express it to each other, even if you didn't do it the perfect way, that's not the opposite of love. Contempt is the opposite of love. Because when, uh, when, uh, in a, in, when there is love in marriage, true love, a couple is tolerant, acceptance. They're accepting of each other. They forgive each other. The little things don't bother them. They know each other's flaws, and th- that's okay. They're friends. They look out for each other. They compensate for their shortcomings of their spouse. You're weak on this. I'll help you with that. Doesn't mean there won't be issues. Doesn't mean there won't be struggles. Doesn't mean there won't be even irreconcilable differences that they're going to have to decide one way or the other and it's to one advantage versus the other. They will disagree and they may even quote-unquote fight but in a healthy way of fighting. But they are one unit and they face the challenges together. But what happens is, is in a marriage when it starts to weaken, it unravels. And then when it unravels, the unhealthy... um, the unhealthy uh, behaviors begin. They annoy each other, get on each other's nerves. Each one feels they're wronged, and so on. So really, the key here is, we talked about commitment before. The success and failure of marriage pivots on 
another yesayid other besides commitment, which is love. Love. Real love. He is a good guy. He has flaws. He may do things that I don't prefer I didn't he didn't do, but he is a good guy. She's a good woman. This thing may get on my nerves. She has this flaw and we'll deal with it, but she's a good person. I love her. Without love, the bickering is inevitable and the contempt happens. And that's where divorces happen. And he explains, and will be Messiah the Sheer in this aspect. He talks about how Hollywood got it right, but he got, they got it backwards. In other words, Hollywood seems to say that love is the essence of marriage. But they are wrong in the way they portray it. In Hollywood, they fall in love and then get married. But it's really infatuation, like we explained. It comes and goes. It's hormonal or, or, or chemicals in the brain. In the Torah perspective, you don't marry for love. Will the infatuation or the fact that you liked your chassan or kala as you're moving on in the beginning help? Of course it helps. But that's not the tachlis of marriage. You marry knowing deep inside Hashem has a master plan in the Bria and for you individually to share your lives together, to support each other, to work together as a complete unit. That you're half a person without this person that makes you whole. And that you build on that love after marriage, when you are married. You don't marry for love, but love is indeed the glue that keeps marriages together. That's something that Hollywood doesn't get. You know, they have that sort of fireworks in the beginning. They live together, and the love isn't nourished, isn't developed, isn't built, and it falls apart. But in a Jewish marriage, in a Torah-based marriage, you go into marriage... You have the warm feelings, possibly. But now you realize, now is the working time. Now I'm going to foster and nurture that love. I'm going to nur- nurture and foster that love. And that is going back to the idea of why the Malachim asked these questions and why he, they, uh, the, 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 uh, Hashem changed his words and so on and so forth. It's to teach you that lesson. Teach you that lesson that there's a necessity of love in a marriage and to increase it in every way possible is important. And the Malachim knew that in a relationship between a husband and wife, even Avram and Sarah, but it was a prototype for us too, is one of the precious, most precious relationships there possibly is, the most delicate. And you need to actively work to foster that love in your marriage. Otherwise, it will naturally weaken. The default, marriage, the default position in marriage is unfortunately drifting apart. And we need to fight that concept of drifting apart and that is what it is so Rabbi Henech Leibowitz explained of course Avram wouldn't have been broken if he would have been heard that his wife said that he was old but a tiny tiny Nakuda it would have left and a tiny tiny Nakuda of hurtful feelings may have been there my wife thinks I'm too old to have a child it wouldn't have led Khalilah to anger or harsh words we're talking about the Avais here and Avram Avinu but from the Chazal, you clearly see that that love may have cooled in a certain madrega, whatever that small level of madrega is. And that powerful love that Avram felt for his wife would have been a somewhat less if he would have heard the words Adoni Zakein versus Vani Zakanti. Clear as day is what the Chazal say. Certainly by us, we see how important it is where we're not on that madrega, how even the slightest degree of hurt 
could cause a, a, a rift. And that's very, very important. And we need to constantly build on that love. That relationship between a husband and wife is very delicate, requires great care. It needs to be greatly valued. And we need to work in the marriage. And Hashem himself feels that cooling. And he wants that love to always be there. So commitment is the first pillar of marriage. Love is the second pillar of the three pillars of marriage in what he's saying here. That knowing that Hashem chose the right one for you gives you the commitment to the marriage. That was what we talked about in the last year primarily. But commitment alone is never enough. Yes, loyalty is important. But you need to build on that with a true love, which is a deep friendship, a very deep friendship, connecting physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and eliminate everything possible that could damage that love, and to foster that love and cherish it. Brochen